As the great independent director, Mr. Werner Herzog, once said, I despise formal restaurants. I find all of that formality to be very base and vile. I would much rather eat potato chips on the sidewalk. Yeah. Ooh. Welcome to Potato Chips on the Sidewalk. I'm Barbecue Ben, and joining me today is... Um, Chicken Twisties Jacob. We are just cracking open some Coca-Cola with no sugars. For no reason, we're not sponsored. Um, and so, we never will be. <laughs> Coca-Cola Company Corporation of Australia... If you would like to sponsor us, um... It's a 40 degree day here in Perth, Western Australia. Yes. Mark McGowan's empire. And we need a cool, refreshing glass of Coca-Cola, no sugar. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's been a hot day. So, you know what, Ben? And do, where, where do, do, we... do, do you know what you decided to do on this hot day? We went to see um, a little film. A little film that's not the most expensive movie Searchlight Films has ever made. It is won by Best Picture winner Guillermo del Toro. Nightmare Alley, starring Bradley Cooper. And it's a remake slash adaptation of the famous noir film and novel of the same name. And it follows Bradley Cooper... As, what's his name again? Stanley Carlyle. Stanley Carlyle, who's a mysterious fella. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man with an unknown past. Yes. Um, yeah. Who falls in, sort of falls into a carny sort of circle. And he seems like he's moving on, trying to start anew. And are you recording now? Yes. Okay, okay. And, you know... When this film was initially initially released at uh, the Toronto Film Festival, the reception was. was it Toronto? I think it was. I know it played at Toronto. I don't know if that was its premiere. I, I think it's just because he loves Canada. It might not have been oh, yeah. TIFF premiere, but yeah, probably in Toronto. Yeah. Um, but it uh, it had a bit of a a lukewarm reception, to yes. say the least. Like it was. Um, 80% on Metacritic, that's not, that's positive, but... Yeah, but, like, I mean, just, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even talking about reviews, I yeah. just, like, it seemed like it, it was, uh... People were tepid about it. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, touted as, as much as, like, The Shape of Water, or, um... Actually, I don't think he's really had a... The Shape of Water was his biggest hit in a long time, wasn't it? Pacific Rim... It's kind it made, of ridiculed at the time. But it made enough money to... Yeah, but like what I mean is, like, The Shape of Water was probably his first thing yeah. since Hellboy 2 that people really, you know, latched onto. Yeah, and obviously, in between that, my either my favourite or second favourite Del Toro film, Crimson Peak, also opened to a quite tepid reception. Yeah. This has some similarities to that in terms of how it was marketed and the initial reception. Mm. I mean, though I do believe that, like once again, eighty percent Rotten Tomatoes, which you know, I th- I think that is just people in Rotten Tomatoes are just more positively skewing. That's just happening yeah. because I think people outlets are hiring people who who like the film more than yeah 
you know. It's, but anyway, that's a whole other story. It's a whole other story with but, you know, how Rotten Tomatoes works. It's a... This and Crimson Peak, both films that um, had very amped up trailers that made it seem like a really Different high, type of high movie. octane, yeah. non-stop jump scare horror. Yeah. And for some reason, like... I, I was confused as someone who had seen the original Nightmare Alley like while before, while ago. You know, it was definitely very atmospheric and flirted with the gothic, but it's a noir st- story about a grifter. Yeah. So um, I was wondering, like, was, is this going to make it more horror? And, there, no. There, there is, I mean, there is definitely. A, it's not supernatural. Yeah, yeah, it's not supernatural, but I'll say there's definitely something about the metaphysical, yeah, which you know might be considered supernatural, but it's never overtly pronounced. It's just a yeah. feeling of the metaphysical. Yeah. But overall, what do you think of Nightmare Alley? I think people like yeah, I like Shape of Water, mm-hmm. but there must be something about my favorite Guillermo del Toro films as of late. That people just don't know one of his top tier films when it slaps them in the face. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was actually really, really good. I thought this was great. Like, um, from like the opening five minutes, I was sitting there. Yeah, and I just, I think I just got an overwhelming feeling of I'm so happy to be watching this movie in the cinema in 2022. Yeah. I was so happy. Do you know who wasn't happy? Who? Disney. Oh, when they no. released it alongside fucking the new Spider Man and sent it to its deathbed. I don't think this film would have done well regardless, but like financially, but I do think Disney did send it to its to walk the plank by opening a, alongside Spider Man. Yeah, it, it um it's a shame of how it was released and without pretty much any fanfare yep like out of the two Willem Dafoe movies released that day um one is uh Nightmare Alley and the other is a terrible 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 and one more time terrible nostalgic fest that sucks and I hate it and moving on talking about this movie yes but um (laughs) um just for clarification we haven't um Done an episode in Spider Man, despite it being by far the biggest film of since the pandemic, really. Yeah, but you know, but um, that um, because I haven't seen it, I refuse to watch it in cinemas. Yeah, so. um, look, moving on. Uh, this film is just, like the thing I've always loved about Del Toro is that, like, going back, like, throughout his career, like. All of his films create just such a perfect sense of just space. Yes. He uses it in a way that, like, I don't... I can't think of, like, many other filmmakers can even begin to attempt to, where... I always... Like, we always talk about the fourth wall and stuff. I'm talking about dimensionally right now, where, like, every one of these sets doesn't feel like there's a there's a fourth wall missing like it feels like yes. there's a there's a space around the camera like it's not like it, behind the camera there's not a crew 
with their boom mics and their you know like their laptops and their yeah. headsets on he shoots his films in a way that it feels like you are in the middle of a real area like you look at like the mansion in Crimson Peak you look at the farm area uh, is it like a camp like is it like a farm that's been taken over by the military in Pan's Labyrinth yeah yeah like that space like um the market in um Hellboy 2 like it just feels like very expansive yeah like it's just, it just feels like around the corner there still is something beyond the set and this does that in multiple locations like there's um Kate Blanchett's office there's that the carnival itself there's um there's the uh the mansion of uh, is that actor a surprise that we should keep secret? Well, I mean it's Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins' house and courtyards and stuff like it. It feels all very real, and the train, st- the bus station. I mean, like yeah. it just it all feels well, like there's there's a space there. It's not a set. Yeah, and yeah. this is um, you know obviously all of Del Toro's films are quite visually stunning, even the ones yeah. that don't quite work. Um, but this is his, if I'm not mistaken, his third collaboration with Dan L- Lostin. Mm. And he, I've noticed specifically this collaboration calls for, creates a massive, perhaps more than before from Del Toro's films, like a super deep focus. Yeah. So I think like, yeah, you know, which usually I, I'm usually a bit against the whole, like always go deep focus thing, but. It's very layered and textured and... Yeah. You know, there's something always going on. It never looks flat or dull. You know, it... it um, it's, not doing yeah. the, it's not doing the Netflix HDR... No. Have every bit of thing and focus and every thing and... That's the like, there's, a, there's a part in like a... Uh, like a haunted house type of attraction in the carnival in the probably first 15, 20 minutes of the film... Where it's, it's lit by people's torches as they're searching through it, and like you don't see everything in the frame because you're not. That's not the point. Like, I, I'm a fan of crushed blacks. Yeah, and, and yeah, this film has it in spades, and yeah, you know. and that's the thing. Like, I think feel like a lot of people really go. I think a lot of people give digital cameras a bad rap. Yeah, no, but like, but it's just it, it's just that stuff. Su- so it's how you use it, that's the thing, is yeah. for everything, yeah. And the thing is, I think Del Toro, what he does really well on his films, and obviously credit to Dan Laston and the camera and lighting department as well for this, but it's just like, you know, they, people, I don't know, I, I've just watched so many shitty Netflix things that just like everything's exposed, everything's so fucking flat and just dull. Yeah. But it's just like people don't understand that like the advantage of digital camera digital cameras is you can really exaggerate light yeah. sources and light intensity. Like once again, like Ben, you sent me like <laughs> the low light capability footage of your. Oh yeah, I recently bought a uh, Blackmagic 4K um, uh, pocket 4K, and I was testing it out, and it's just like the it's just amazing what you can do with this digital camera with a tiny sensor like it's just and you can stylize it and you can do stuff in post (coughs) that doesn't necessarily have to make it look like like a a film I really like this year The Card Counter 
mm-hmm. that is one of the most digital looking films I've ever seen in my entire life but there's nothing wrong with that yeah but you can also use the camera like it's 2022 you can the technology we have to be able to make your film look however you want it's there and Netflix I've I've recently been re-watching the first season of The Witcher because I forgot everything that happened yeah. before I watched the second one. That show looks more like a TV show than any other show I've ever seen in my entire life. Where it, everything is just so overlit. I've heard the second season's better for this, so I, I, don't, I don't know yet. But the first season of that show is just so... We have half an hour to shoot this, plonk the camera down and blast all the light... It's in focus. Let's go. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of like two hundred million dollar films lately do that same thing. And it's just, like this movie, the most expensive movie that Searchlight has ever made, sixty million dollars. Mm. Why the hell does the Avengers look like utter shit for that amount of money? And then this looks like this, you know, like it's just, this is what happens when filmmakers put care Mm. and love into the image that they're presenting to us. Like cinematography is storytelling. Like that's like what you hear from the first day of film school. Cinematography is a means to an end, right? Like right now in Hollywood, it's get the, get the fucking image on the screen. They don't care what it looks like. Is it? Just as long as it's got Doctor Strange making a Scooby Doo joke, I don't know. <laughs> but like, it's just, yeah. Bradley Cooper doesn't speak for the first like ten minutes of this film, no. but you learn so much about his character and what he's doing in it because it's you know like it's filmmaking and storytelling through the use of moving images. Yes. <laughs> this. We're never going to get a movie like this again. Probably not. I just, like, not even Del Toro will be able to muster up a budget anymore after after this. Like, uh, yeah, Alex, he has his Pinocchio film. Is that Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. It's stop motion, isn't it? Yeah. But, like, it's just... I'm very doom and gloom about the future of cinema right now. I think and, it's hard not to be. Yeah, and it's... It's because I... I watch a movie like this and I'm able to soak it all up and be amazed by what I'm watching and then I look at what's making a billion dollars and what people want, like what the mass audience wants to see and I feel like the mass audience wants to see something as creative and well, you know, like made and has this much love put into it. But I also get the feeling that we're not getting that because the mass audience sees the word Spider Man and doesn't care what the image looks like. They don't care. Like, they don't. (laughs) They'll just. The studios are becoming lazier because it matters less now to most people. And you look at. Look at Star Wars The Force Awakens. That's a tremendously good-looking movie. 
and then look at Boba Fett. Look at this fucking Boba Fett show. <laughs> and it's just... It's just deteriorated that quickly. That quickly. And yeah. it's just... Like, so, I think... Like, how does Venom, Let There Be Carnage, look better than most things, you know? <laughs> like, they're most like... Blockbusters, yeah, most yeah. blockbusters. Yeah, most blockbusters. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it, it is yeah. kind of a sad state of yeah. affairs because, once again, it's just people being like, oh, you, you only want a pretentious black and white French films. Oh my and- God, why, where do these people pull these black and white French films out of their ass? I, I can't remember the last time I saw a black and white French film. But it's just like, <laughs> also like, please, okay, Marvel fans, I'm sure literally none of you are watching because <laughs> I think I am blocked by like almost mostly... Marvel news account handles <laughs> for some reason. Because um, you aren't um, a pig who's going to eat up the slot. Yeah, but but it's just like okay. But can Marvel fans please fucking share with the class why it's pretentious or you know snobby to watch something that isn't in the English language? Like, like, like let's talk about this for a second. Yeah, like it's look at one of the funniest films this year. Benedetta. <laughs> and I, like, the amount of joy that film brought me watching it and, like, how f- much fun I was having. It's just... Who cares whether it was French or not? You know, like... W- like, you can get gain enjoyment out of... No matter what language, who made it. It's, like... It's so... It's, like, American imperialists were, like... Oh, it was made outside of America. I ain't watching that. But I want to watch my Spider-Man film. But, but here's yeah. the thing. For some reason, Marvel have conditioned people to almost treat it like that's a progressive or woke stance to take. So yeah. it's, it's like, what, like, but it's like... Defending like, the billion, trillion dollar fucking corporation. Like, it's just... Yeah. Look, I... Nightmare Alley is a... Is a swan song for a era of cinema that probably has been slowly dying for the last fifteen years, but mm-hmm. I feel like we're finally we're going to have to give it its last rights in the next couple of years because we're not going to get a movie that looks like this that costs this much for a while. No, not until James Cameron brings out the Avatar sequels and hopefully does something creative with them. Well, at, and shows, at least looks nice. And then, like, yeah, like, puts a value into filmmaking over revenue. You know, it's just... Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but... Kevin Feige, man, like, that guy just... He is... He has created a... A terrible state for the future of cinema. Yeah, and... And even the, p- the people at Warner Brothers, like, who tried to copy them, at least they've, at le- they've let their filmmakers make films. At least they, like, actually yeah. look like they've been colour-graded well. Exactly, like... Well, not, not even just colour-graded yeah. well, I'm sure... Put some thought into pr- some production design. Yeah. Like, I don't like Batman vs Superman. That movie looks far and away better than, like, just so many... Of these Marvel movies, where it's just like it looks like, you know, Larry Fong actually put some effort into 
shooting it. I don't know who was the production designer, but they put some effort into the look <laughs> of the film, and it's just, it's just, you know. Anyway, back to the nightmare uh, hour. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro, thank you for putting a film like this out and having the guts to ask for all this money because I'm forever going to be thankful for it when in 10 years' time I'm watching Toll Girl 7 on Netflix because it's the only movie coming out that year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, look, back to the film. What's the next Addison Ray movie? <laughs> look... I, I, I think as they were being all doom and gloom, we should be praising the elements of this film. Yeah. So, obviously, it looks beautiful. I think. Yeah, it looks beautiful. We've established... It's, it's well acted, very well acted. Um, and it is so... It takes its time to play out scenes. It's yeah. not about moving to the next plot beat. It's, so much of this film is just people... Talking about what what trick tricks they know and how they're going to use it on people when we watch the audience reacting to them and it's just like it's just living in this world and I just I'm sick of all these movies that just try to be like oh we have to do this we don't have, we have to go do this now and it's like it's not about that it's just kind of like you know going th- through these people's lives well, and what, it, yeah. it enjoys being, being there being in its world and yeah. it enjoys its the visual and emotional texture of it and, yeah you know it enjoys Bradley Cooper doing a southern accent doing a southern accent and being like a little grifter <laughs> we've had a lot of grift auteur grifter films this year yeah like that season 5 episode of Community <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, that season 6 I don't know <laughs> don't know I was like you know, Red Rocket, Liquid yeah. Pizza, and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> now this, um... I just... But no, it's... I, I just... If you have the capacity to see this movie in a theatre, please do. Mm. Like, it is it is slow. It's not the movie that the trailer made it out to be. It's not going to, you know, excite you in a way that's, like... You know, shooty, shooty, bang, bang, scary, scary, monster, monster. It's slow, it's haunting, and it will get you through it. And even if you can't see it in the cinema because of where you are at, where you, like, where you are in the world, like, it's just came out yesterday in Australia. Or more importantly... Is it, or it's been out for weeks or more in the US. if your screening got cancelled because of Spider-Man. Yes, um, yeah, that's horrible. Um... How they cannot Disney cannibalizing their own film, but it should be on Hulu in America and then Disney Plus the rest of the world I think, I soon think, enough. I think, I think it's weird. Here's the weird thing about they announced that's going not to Hulu but HBO Max. Yeah, they did that with The Last Jewel as well. So they're just in North America, but yeah. hopefully in Australia. Well, they have their own streaming <laughs> service with Hulu. Okay, whatever. Well, whatever. I, 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 I think at this point Disney are just sort of like, mm. I think they just don't give a shit. Yeah, they like anyway. They, yeah, I, but, I, I hate to sound so doom and gloom on a podcast of a film I actually really like. That's what I mean. It's like this film has reminded me of what we're going to be missing in the next few years, and there's something really 
melancholy about that and bittersweet where I am just... I'm high on this film. I'm just low on everything (laughs) after this. Yeah. And And I, I gotta say, like... I don't give a shit at this point. You know... I don't have a lot of money to my name, but I'm proud I am supporting films like this with the money I do have because I feel like I don't know um, I just can't see I, I just feel bad I just feel bad when I walk into a film like this it gets delegated to a smaller cinema because there wasn't enough tickets yeah it was this was meant to be playing in the largest cinema at our Local. local and like five minutes before we got there to buy tickets they downgraded it to a smaller cinema and there were only yeah. like four other people yeah um, with us and it makes me yeah. sad it makes me sad as well but you know <clears throat> I'm, I'm just I just want to be able to see something like this again and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to and please just go see it yeah in and, any, any capacity and to Mr. Del Toro I know know you're not listening, but thank you, and I'm also kind of sorry that... Yeah, I'm sorry as well. Sorry that you've put so much fucking effort into the medium, Yeah, and even after you fucking made an Best Picture winning film... They have no faith in you. They have no faith in you, they have no interest in you, you know? You have been failed, and it's not on you. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks for listening. This is the most depressing ending since fucking Disney's, like, The Dinosaurs. (laughs) <laughs> do you know how that show ends? Do you mean dinosaur? No, not 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 like not the movie dinosaur. The dinosaur. <laughs> it's like a fucking thing where it's like people wearing cost dinosaur costumes are like ah, it's like a like Barney. Thing. Yeah, pretty much. Do you know how that series ends? It's a kids series. I've never heard of this. Okay, but it ends. This is the season. There's a meteor. No, it's almost like it. Ends with the main character freezing the world to death because he tried to do some weird scheme. And the world ending. The final scene is him comforting his baby dinosaur that we don't know what's happening, but at least we'll be together. And they look and they look at the family looks at each other knowing it's about to go. It's about to die. That's how the kids the series for six-year-olds was <laughs> ended. Thank you for listening to <laughs> um, Potato Chips on the Sidewalk. Have a nice day. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Goodbye.